Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, June 13, 2021. Its focus is on waiting for God to work in our lives. The message to all who will listen is trusting God to bring His plan to completion is the only way to live. Now here is guest preacher Tom Harrison. Alana did come with me this morning. I know I told you the last couple of times I was here, I did have a wife. I proved it. <laughs> 52 years, which is, what a strong woman, huh? The word to consider today is the word waiting. Do you sometimes feel like all you do with God and with your prayers is wait? Be honest. When we're experiencing physical difficulties, we're waiting for the doctor to make a decision, and then we're waiting for that treatment to start. I'm over the middle part of eight weeks of radiation treatment, and I'm waiting for it to be done. I'm down to single digits. I've got nine left. But part of the reason I'm, I'm ready for that to be done is just because I'm ready for it to be done. But part of that is that the challenge that goes with that. It's in Wichita every weekday. I recently started a new job as the chaplain at the Pratt Regional Medical Center. And uh, where's my buddy, John? John, years ago when you became the chaplain at Pratt Regional Medical Center, I told my wife if we ended up in Havilland after we retired and if that job was available, that's the job I would go for. So God granted my wishes. And you started it all, Brother John. <laughs> So my, my schedule is this. I get up there at 5.45 every morning, and I do everything that I need to do until about 11.30. I run home, get lunch for Alana, put my lunch in the car, and drive to Wichita. An hour and 37 minutes for a 16-minute treatment, and an hour and 37 minutes back. I keep myself going till I get home in case I have anything to do. But somewhere shortly after I sit down in my lounging chair, the curtain starts coming down because of the stuff of the day. And it's not only the physical stuff, but it's the emotional stuff and everything else like that. So I'm waiting for that to get done. Sometimes we're waiting in line. Sometimes we're waiting for the mail, waiting for someone to call or text us back, waiting for the doctor, waiting for the day to be over, or for the day to begin, waiting to get home. What are some of your thoughts when I talk about tasks or ideas that come into your mind when I say waiting? What are you waiting on? Fall. Yeah, we couldn't get past May because it was rainy all the time. And now here we are with, what, two weeks of summer and we're ready for fall. <laughs> we're living in the wrong place for that. You know. What else? Anybody else waiting on something? And that waiting can only happen with the season change. And you know how Kansas seasons are. It might be in September or October. It might be fall one day and summer the next and winter the next. Well, listen to some of the scripture passages that have waiting as part of each passage. Psalm 69.3, and the, the translation I'm using today is the English Standard Version, so if it sounds different from what you normally read, that's why. I am weary with my crying out, my throat is parched, my eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. From a psalmist. Proverbs 8.34 says, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Luke 2.25, 
Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He'd been waiting for years for Messiah to come. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. All the scriptures said Jesus was going to come back, and they said it in a present tense like it was going to happen any day. And how many years has that been? It seems that throughout scriptures, various followers of God or followers of Jesus have been waiting. Sometimes we wait for someone to get on to the next sentence. When you're listening to somebody and you're trying to pay attention to what they're saying, your mind is already trying to put together what you're going to say next rather than listening to what they're saying. Or sometimes we're waiting for the preacher to get on with it. I put the word pause. There's a musical duel named Shane and Shane. I love to listen and watch it on YouTube. They're from Texas. They've released a series of albums of songs based upon specific psalms, and I really like the lyrics they've written for Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is what I picked for the text today. Here's the lyrics to their song. When the sun comes up, satisfy us. Before day has passed us by, before our hearts forget all your goodness, satisfy us with your love. You have been our dwelling place, O everlasting God. Before you formed the mountaintops, you were before it all, and soon our lives turn back to dust. When the sun comes up, satisfy us. Before day has passed us by, before our hearts forget all your goodness, satisfy us with your love. The wrath of God pour out for sin on Jesus crucified. Consider him our hiding place, our shelter is our God, because he lived and died for us. When the sun comes up, satisfy us. Before day has passed us by, before our hearts forget all your goodness, satisfy us with your love. Teach us, Lord, to number days on earth. Give us more wisdom in the secret heart as you displayed amazing grace through Jesus Christ for us. Teach us, Lord, to number our days on earth. Give us more wisdom in the secret heart as you displayed amazing grace through Jesus Christ for us. When the sun comes up, satisfy us. Before day has passed us by, before our hearts forget all your goodness, satisfy us with your love. Let's pray. Dear God, sometimes I have to write out my prayers so I don't forget to say something to you that I think is important. So this morning, I ask for your wisdom and direction as I share the thoughts that you have given me about Psalm 90 and specifically about waiting. I'm learning more and more each day about waiting on you and want these dear folks gathered here today to learn more about the process of waiting. Give us all open hearts to hear your voice, not only this morning, but throughout our days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So why a sermon about waiting? You might be saying in your heart of hearts, I don't need another sermon about waiting. I've been waiting all my life for name whatever it is that you've been waiting to happen, a loved one to come back in relationship with you, a damaged relationship with a friend to be repaired, an answer to prayer that you prayed for such a long time, Another sermon about waiting. Doesn't this preacher understand that I've been waiting and waiting and waiting? The stories that I might have shared with you before from my life might help. I might have shared some of these stories before, but I think they're important for you to know kind of our history. Alana and I were married 52 years ago. She didn't know when she married me that she married a gypsy. Last count, we'd moved 28 or 29 times. Plus, yeah. I think you ran out of paper writing them all down. 
And many of those moves were based upon what I thought I needed to do next. Sometimes for me, probably more for me sometimes, but hopefully for God, a lot of those moves involved moving the family. After we'd gotten involved with Barclay College, which was Friends Bible College then back in the, in the 70s, then I got a wild idea. If I was going to be involved in Christian music, I had to do it from Nashville. So we loaded everybody up and went to Nashville. Now, everybody up at that point was one child and one in the hopper. So the two next children were born in Nashville, Tennessee. We spent seven and a half years there involved in Christian music in all aspects of it. Studio work, concert work, and lots of other things like that. And lo and behold, I thought I was going to stay forever and ever and ever. And six and a half years into it, the Lord removed two-thirds of my income in the same week. And then I waited to see what was going to happen. He said to me, it's time for you to leave. I had noticed in all the things that I was doing, all the work I was doing in the studios, all the concerts that I was doing, all the other things that I was doing, I had noticed that my children were growing up around me and I didn't really have a lot of relationship with them. Oh yeah, I spent a lot of time with them on Monday after I'd come back from driving 1,500 miles to do three concerts up in Ohio and I'd sit on the floor and I'd watch television with them and I'd fall asleep because I was exhausted. Oh, I'd go out and do works and things like that. So I realized if I was going to have a relationship with my kids, I had to change. So the first thing the Lord did was remove two-thirds of that income to get my attention. I modified things thinking things would take care of it, and then I realized we were going to have to move. So a friend of mine, Dave Hickman, had started a new church in Wichita, and he had contacted me shortly after that two-thirds of the income had left, said, why don't you come here and be involved in this? Well, I knew better. God was going to turn this around. Uh, six weeks later, I called him and said, is that offer still open? So it was a part-time job, so there was at least part-time income. And I thought when we moved to Kansas, moved to Wichita and got involved in this church and served as the worship pastor and learned what that all was about, that I could still continue to do concerts. And guess what? The Lord then took the concert ministry away too. He wanted me to learn by waiting. Unfortunately, Alana had to wait with me. She had to wait and watch what the Lord was doing with me and just continue to pray for me. Thank goodness she prayed for me. We went along and did things like that. We were involved in that church for about 13, 14 months, and then we realized that for the sake of that church and for the sake of whatever the Lord wanted to do with us, we needed to move again. And this time we needed to move to Denver to be involved in a church and a training facility and we thought that would be for years. We were up there less than a year, and the Lord said, now I want you to go to Pratt, Kansas and start a church. Huh? Now, why did I move from Wichita to Denver back to Pratt? But that's what he put together. So we came here in 1987, started a church in our home. I will tell you this as a church planting pastor. If the Lord ever asked me to do again, I hope he doesn't because I'm almost 74. But if you ever asked me to do that again, I'd never get away from the house church. That's the way it worked for us. Because when, then when we tried to become a church like a real church, it didn't fit what the Lord had called us to do. I shared that with a pastor the other day, and he says, I'm beginning to see that. that the, when the Lord calls you to do something, you ought to just put your nose to the grindstone and do that and not try and emulate everybody else. So we did that for six years and then moved away to Wichita because we felt like if that church was going to survive we needed to be gone. And it did survive for a lot of years. 
And we went into Wichita, and uh, I did what a lot of pastors do. I sold cars. I bet you if you went on any car lot in Wichita, you'd find there's at least one guy there that used to pastor or is still pastoring, and that's the only job he can get because, after all, the only thing a pastor really knows how to do is talk a lot, right? So I did that for a while, and then I got involved with a wonderful video ministry called Harvest Communications, and that was a good ministry. I enjoyed doing that. We did a lot of videos for a lot of people, and it was enjoyable. And then our son said, you know, I'd really like to go back out to school in Haviland, in Pratt. So our friends took him in while we got ready to move again. So we moved back out here in 98. And then a uh, pastor of the uh, Assembly of God Church asked me to come do music there. And I did that for a while. Fast forward to a lot of things. In the middle of all this process, um, we went to a worship conference down in Jacksonville, Florida, and got there and registered for the conference. And they said, by the way, this afternoon, we want you to have ministry with these two guys. Uh, they believe they have some things from the Lord to tell you. They laid out a prophetic dream that one of them had, by the way, they'd never met us, about what our ministry ought to look like. And they said it would be in the country, it would be a little white church, and uh, people would come from everybody to go around it. So, being the great man of God I was when we came back to Wichita, I started driving all over the Flint Hills trying to find out where that little white church was. Realized after about three or four months of that, I was trying to make this happen. So I put it on the back burner and they just followed at that point what the Lord wanted us to do. Fast forward again. In the spring of 2009, got a phone call from a friend of mine, Roger Cooper, who was up in St. John at a church called Eden Valley Church of the Brethren. He said, I'm, I'm filling in as the interim pastor here. I need you to come help on Sundays to help me with this. After three or four Sundays, one Sunday we were driving home, and I told Lonnie, Roger doesn't want to help with this. He's looking for a way out. By the end of the summer, he had recommended us to be the pastors, and by fall of 2009, we moved up there to be pastors, and we pastored that place for eight and a half years. And you know what the Lord did in that eight and a half years with me? He gave me closure. My heart was still a little wounded over the church planting experience. It didn't go the way I thought it was supposed to go because I got in the way. So when we went up there, we just said, what do you want us to do, Lord? He said, I want you to teach him about prayer. So that's all we did for eight and a half years. We would have a time of prayer on the Sunday morning worship, and sometimes my leaders would say, do you think we need to pray this much on Sunday mornings? I said, I think we need to pray more. That's the only word the Lord's given me. So we did that, and, and we were faithful to it. And the Lord healed my heart from the challenges of being a church planter. He healed my heart. Put a button on that so I could know that that was, that was done, and that was okay. So, fast forward, here we are today. I told you that they hired me as the chaplain. You got to know how fast that was. I told Alana that if we were back in Pratt, when I was retired, and if that job became available, I'd throw my hat into the ring, and so I did. They called me on a Friday. I had an interview. By the end of the interview, the guy that was interviewing me said, can you start Monday? He said, next week is the last week for Ron Mosier, and I want you to shadow him. So I went back to the people that I was working with, where, and I told them I'd gone to this interview, and, and I didn't know when it would start, and I would surely be a good guy and give them all the 
notice in the world. And I came back, and that was the start of my radiation therapy. So I was leaving that place at 11.30 every day, too. So at 11.15, I said, guess what? I'm starting a new job on Monday. And the lady in the office says, I knew this was going to happen because you need to be back in ministry. And I got to tell you, I am so satisfied doing that and being able to minister in lots of different ways in that setting. But how many years of waiting? How many years of doing other things? And all those other things were good. They really were. I sometimes wonder if I'd have paid more attention if we'd had to move so many times. And I told Alon in this last move, I said, I don't figure this out. We had three children. We sent all of them away from the house and gave them stuff. And we still got more stuff than we had when we had three children. How does that happen? Well, part of the problem is me. I'm a collector of record albums. I still have 700 record albums. I want to read the Psalm 90 out loud to you. And we'll pause and see if the Lord brings things to mind to each one of us about waiting. I read the psalm aloud because if we hear it aloud, it might bring peace and comfort or it might become unsettling. Wherever you are, God is working in the background. I told you all those little stories to tell you that he's working in the background. And when he moves, sometimes he moves rapidly. And it doesn't appear like that until it happens. And he moves now to bring his purposes for you. So hear the word of the Lord today. Psalm 90. This happens to be a psalm of Moses. We consider that most of the psalms were written by David, and most of them were. But this happens to be one that was a psalm of Moses. And it was a prayer. Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep those thousand years away as with a flood. They're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. You know what a good sigh is? The years of our life are 70, or maybe even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Can we dare say that to the Lord? Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years have we seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Isn't that what we're asking when we pray about the job the Lord has given us to do, the job that might happen to be a ministry to? We might be saying, establish the work of my hands, Lord, 
Yes, establish the work of my hands. Bless the work of my hands. Many of the prayers that I pray with patients in the hospital are for calm for them, but I also pray for wisdom for the surgeons, wisdom for the doctors that can only come from the Lord. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the works of our hands upon us. So, I want to end this with kind of another prayer that I've written, and I wrote it early this morning. It doesn't take me long to say a lot because I talk a lot and I talk fast. So I hope you didn't think you were going to get a 20-minute epistle because you got what you got. But I think it's enough for you to think about, okay? So, Lord, we come to you with our hopes and dreams and challenges and hurts. We ask, O Lord, that you would grant answers to our prayers. Prayers for our needs. Prayers for our children and our children's children. We ask, O Lord, for the strength that we need to have to bear the burdens you have given us to bear. We only want to do your will in our lives. Give us courage to embrace the challenges of each day with boldness and faithfulness. You have given the stories in Scripture to help each of us to grow in grace and mercy towards others and to grow in strength to live our days for you. We give you our hearts for you to do with us what is best for us through your sovereignty and prayer. Lord, I ask for peace and comfort to be on these, your children of all ages. Be with the leadership of this church as they continue to seek your heart for Pratt Friends Church. In Jesus' name, we pray all these petitions and we thank you. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.